You're listening to Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan, a For The Now media production. Hello and welcome back to Null and Void's episode three. There's no stopping us now. My name's Tony Grundy. And mine's Andy Callahan. Well, come on, Andy. We must straight away know how you did walking 100k last weekend. How did it go? Uh, hot, painful, <laughs> muddy. And if I ever see another style again in my life, I think I'll take a blowtorch to it. Um, we crossed 42 styles across the route. And yeah, they're, they're not fun. When you get to a, the, sort of the stage of 70, 80 kilometers, you've been walking all day and through the night, through ankle deep mud at points. And then you've got to cross fields with about four or five styles within a couple hundred meters, you suddenly start to come up with words that uh, even sailors would blush at. <laughs> but I mean, so highlights and lowlights. I mean, it sounds like styles with a lowlight, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was an amazing event, really well organized. Um, Action Challenge are the people who run it. They run a number of these long distance events around the country through the year. And it was brilliantly done. COVID safe at the start. So it was a rolling start over a number of hours so I set off from Richmond at 9am Saturday morning and then you walk through there are checkpoints along the way at every roughly 12 to 15 kilometers so um, the first half is they say the first half 56 kilometers but through there there's been checkpoints you're well fed so my way of breaking it up was okay I've got 12k to go till a bit of cake and a, a <laughs> cup of tea. Then the next one was I've got another 12k to go until I get a packed lunch and a, a can of lilt. Then after that, it was right another however many k to hot food and just breaking it up stage by stage. So really well organized. The camaraderie of people on the event, just you know chatting to each other as we went along. Um, just really really good um, fun event. And the finish was on Brighton Racecourse. So you actually come along the final furlong and it's got there the sign the last one furlong to go and you finish at the finish line on Brighton Racecourse and there you know there were people from the event the cheering team um quite emotional really I got to the point where there was a a bit of a lump in my throat as I crossed the line and that wasn't just through dehydration and uh, too many energy gels that was yeah it was just a great event but certainly some very tough um to you know have to do that that far and i think one of the it was a highlight and a low light you get to 88 kilometers there's a checkpoint there quick cup of tea slice of cake seemed to be the norm um and then you look out and you've got a what looked like a wall as you climb up the side at plumpton of the south downs so you've got to cross the South Downs to get to Brighton. So that was pretty horrendous. You look at it and say, you've made us walk this far, and now you're making us go up the side of a blooming steep hill. But yeah. the views from the top were fantastic. And I think I put some of those on the Instagram page for our podcast. Yeah, excellent. So the simple question is, would you do it again? Yes. Um, yeah. If you'd asked me on Sunday, I'd have said no. <laughs> 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 having had a couple of days to patch my feet up and uh rest my legs um definitely would i'm entered to do the they do the thames path challenge in september 
I'm entered to do the second half of that, which is 50k from uh, Runnymede through to Henley. Um, and the aim is to actually run that rather than walk it. Obviously, we'll see how the training goes through the summer. But I want to. I've, I've got. I've got the ultra distance bug now. So yeah, marathons, half marathons. Blah. Yeah, I, I'm over them. I'm impressed, mate. I can't even compete with that at all. I mean, I kept my fitness routines going, but I'll tell you, you'll laugh at this because I had a, a big-ish social event. Obviously, 30 being the maximum people there. We're outside at weekend, and for three and a half hours, I was standing still talking to people. Two things there is. One, you forget how to socialise, and I know you'll say you never knew, but actually uh, that's, that's a skill we haven't for this last year used too much. Then afterwards, my legs, my ankles and my back absolutely ached, and I, I don't normally stand still that much, so it was a new phenomenon, but uh, I can't really compete with your 100K, so well done, mate, well done. Thank you. Now, listen, what we should do is look back to uh, sporting events last week. And before you say anything, before you say anything, United lost against Villarreal. The manager actually said, we didn't turn up. I think that says it all. I actually got beyond angry. So I was quite calm at the end, 11, 10 penalties. It was like, it was inevitable what was gonna happen. And they deserve what they got. And the only consolation for me last weekend is Chelsea. Chelsea beat City. I'm so pleased about that. And the other thing, and obviously we'll come to it more later, but Brentford are in the Premiership. Fantastic stuff. And you've got Blackpool and Morecambe as the other playoff teams that have come up a league. I'm so pleased for all of them with the effort that goes into that. It's not all about the guys at the very top. Now, talking about playoffs, what about the Quins in rugby? Halligan. Yeah, um, real ding-dong game against Bath, um, which was my uh, dad's old club that he played for way back in when the game was played in black and white. Um, but yeah, <laughs> great result. Um, fantastic to see the fans back in. And the players were saying in the interviews after game, having the crowd back in cheering really made a difference. Yeah. They said it lifted them so much. I think there were four and a half five thousand people there um so yeah. a good number um great result for quinn so we now know in the premiership with two games to go who the four teams in the playoffs will be so bristol and exeter i think have got to be clear favorites they've been playing fantastically all season sale are starting to come good and have booked yeah. their place and now quinn's booked in as well so is it decided already andy who plays who and when not yet. It will, over the next couple of weeks, the results in the final games will decide that because first we'll play fourth and second we'll play third. Oh, I see. So, I see that. There's still more games to go. Right. Okay. Yeah. Two right. two games to go in the regular season and then the playoffs. Um, there's still everything to play for in the middle part of the table as other teams are chasing the European Cup spots. And then in the women's game, brilliant result again for as a Quinns fan. Harlequins women won the Premiership final on Sunday against Saracens. So that's the first time Quinns have won that final. They made it the last couple of years, but actually won it this year. So, you know, a great weekend to be a Quinns fan. Absolutely brilliant. Now, uh, the other thing that's happened, literally, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, but 
the squad for the Euros, for England anyway, have been reduced from 33 down to 26. And, and I, I, I can't imagine if you're one of those players that's left out at this stage, how you must feel, you must be devastated. You've got great players like Ollie Watkins, uh, Aston Villa, not there. You've got Ling, Jesse Lingard, who's been playing so well, left mm. out. Greenwood for injury, and that's slightly different. But you've got other good players, Ramsdale, the goalkeeper, Godfrey, Everton, who it would have been a brilliant thing for them at their stage. They may get other chances, but it still must be a nasty blow. Interestingly, that leaves them with four players playing right fullback. That's interesting balance of things. And Maguire and Henderson, Maguire injured, Henderson been out for weeks, months. Mm. They're both still in the squad. Is that just for their experience? I don't know, but that could be quite crucial in the end if they're not fit. I think, I mean, if you look back over previous tournaments, England have maybe tried to take their supposedly talismanic players who were carrying injuries, if you think. Beckham with his yeah. metatarsal in 2002. Rooney with his metatarsal in 2006. Yeah. There's a bit of a theme coming up here. But, you know, we've taken those players when they're not fully fit and they've really struggled uh, or the team has struggled as well as a result. I don't know. I think you've got a. there's a mix there. And I think the, the four right backs isn't necessarily too much of a concern because a couple of those like Walker can also play either wing back or centre back. So, yes. you know, you've, you've got a blend there, but uh, I'm just going to go for in Gareth, we trust and <laughs> uh, hope for the best. Good. Well, that's anyway, that's kind of hot news as we are uh, here tonight. Now, name checks. People that have been corresponding this last week, there is a walking challenge in this for you, so pay attention. Uh, now, Roger Burgess, a footballing friend of mine, from my playing days up in the Northwest Sunday football, I played for, and of course you'll know the name, Dilk Celtic, not, but in Stockport. Uh, they were a big team, and I played with them for a number of years, and Roger was one of the players there. Anyway, he said, just listen to the first part of the podcast. And this, he starts off with an insult. He said, I was amazed you managed just over three hours for the marathon. <laughs> so, well, I do my best, Roger. Anyway, he said, uh, mind you, Roger ran just under five hours when he was age 56 in the London Marathon. So, yeah, it's a long way. And that was my best time, honest. Um, Roger says his sons are, though, into long distance walking. He talks about a 66 mile walk. What does that equate to in Ks? About 102, 103K. So very similar. Okay. Well, coming up in September in the Northwest, in a place I know very well, starting from a place called Hazel Grove, goes via Hayfield up into Edel, beautiful up in the hills there. Not necessarily if you're walking, but he says uh, that he's going to be, he, he thinks he's going to be taking part. And he's actually saying, um, what about your mate who does this distant walking then? This is September. I think from what you said earlier, maybe you've got out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Simon Callard says, just listen to episode two. It flowed better than episode one. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, hopefully we'll get better and better as we go along. Enjoyed the Brentford fan, he says, of last week's. I think they will go up. He was predicting at that point. 
looks a well-run club. Spot on, Simon, as it turns out. You uh, want to just so check the date on that one, Tony? Did Simon send that after the playoff final? And he's trying to say that he's uh, predicted it beforehand. No, he, he, he did actually send it afterwards. See? But he did send it before, rather. In on, honestly, he did. But, you know, I think most a lot of people are very pleased about Brentford because it's a good chance for them. And they are a well-run club, there's no doubt about it. May hear more about that later somehow, I think. Anyway, Rosemary Conabert, she's always sending interesting uh, communications. She said, uh, I'm enjoying the way the podcast is both about sport and fitness. She said, I want to be fit, but I'm not that bothered about sport. Interesting. Would have liked the yoga and Pilates guy, John Peacock, to have talked about the benefits of yoga and Pilates. Rosemary, stay exactly where you are. Stand by. What about you? Have you had communications? Yeah, um, had a great note through. Um, loads of positive feedback about, about both John and Sarah's sections last week. So people saying they really enjoyed the lenses that they looked at fitness and uh, exercise through very similar backgrounds but two different lenses that they looked at it you know John looking at from the the teaching the lessons the exercise perspective and Sarah a little more from the uh, nutrition side so mm. lots of feedback saying they people really enjoyed that um, also a friend of mine uh, Tomo saying that uh, his view very similar to what we were saying about um, the fact that the online classes, the online lessons really fit into the timetable and make it much easier to schedule around work commitments, family commitments. And he's also said a number of people he's spoken with um, have almost been a bit maybe reticent to go back into gyms until maybe more vaccine rollout, things like that, until sort of we've seen the back of covid as it is at the moment so he said from that perspective the fact that coaches trainers are offering these online sessions have really helped because he said he knows a lot of people himself included that haven't wanted to go back into the gyms yet and i know another couple of people that got in touch this week said very similar so yeah some really good feedback on the guests um not so much any feedback on us but i'm sure that that's a positive if people aren't saying anything negative then it must be working well but definitely the guests got a good write-up excellent okay next up is our special guest andy tell us yeah. yeah so this week joining us we've got someone um who is a kickboxer who's represented Great Britain, has also been ranked as number one in the world uh, and now coaches and trains in the sport as well. And she's also a sports council volunteer. So a really wide ranging sporting background. So I'm really pleased to be able to welcome to this week's episode, Liz Ferrioli-Brown. So hi, Liz, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, hi Liz. Nice Hello. to see you. Right. So whole host of uh, things we could get into and talk about there, Liz. But I guess um, what I'm really interested in to start with is the sort of beginning of your sporting journey. So how and when did you get into kickboxing? Um, I mean, I've always, always had an interest in sport. Um, I was built to be athletic. Um, it was natural in my ability. My parents had a, a bakery 
which uh, when you weren't at school, you were working in that bakery and you didn't have any time really to explore those um, sporting avenues. Um, I mean, I did get to do the odd bit of tennis and I did gymnastics at school and I had a passion to try kickboxing. Um, but having a strict mother who saw it as a very unladylike type sport, <laughs> um, it was not allowed at all. You know, my brother's allowed to do karate and uh, yeah, it was a big no from her side. Um, I was able to join a club in Winchester once I started to drive and I uh, was earning money, which gave me that bit of uh, independence to really do what I wanted. I mean, she hated it and was like, you know, trying to push me against it because it was just the way she was brought up. Um, but the club I was with was more, I would say, on that money side rather than the actual sort of passionate on teaching. Um, okay. So I didn't train there for very long because I got married at a very young age, um, moved to London. My husband, again, didn't agree with uh, kickboxing. Um, and I moved sort of several roles, you know, still having it in my eye line. I wanted to try that sport. Um, and it was only after we got divorced after four years. Um, <laughs> and I had uh, I was working late one night. I was so dedicated to my work, you know, working all hours, morning and night in the IT industry. Uh, one night, uh, well going home quite late, I was set upon by a group of guys who literally um, knocked me to the ground, took my phone. Um, I managed to try and run away from them. It led into me like coming off a building because I managed to get up a spiral staircase in panic, jumped, broke my ankle in two. Oh, um, yeah, so uh, then I started a whole recovery process um I mean work were amazing because I mean they felt guilty that I was working late um you know they put more steps in place that people if you're working after a certain time would get taxis etc just to protect and then once I could walk again I walked into a kickboxing gym in Wimbledon um and then started my journey obviously my balance is a little bit off because of my leg mm -hmm. um uh, but again, the club I was working with sort of we're at, they weren't really into the comp competition scene so much. I mean, I really joined for the fitness. They took us two tournaments, um, but I was the help on the table. And I was looking at all these top players that have done it from day dot when they were quite young. Um, you know, you've got um, Elijah, George Peplo, Gemma Uphold, Chris Aston, you know, uh, Tennessee Randall, all these amazing fighters, Michael Page, who's totally awesome. Um, just watching in awe, watching them clear up all these trophies and thinking, wow, these guys are amazing. Um, then we gained a new coach that came in from outside. He was very competition sort of type fighter. And he almost sort of pushed us into that competition fighting uh, and did some novice tournaments. And I didn't lose one to start with, which made it a little bit nerve wracking. But I found I had a lot of natural ability in the fight, fight scene. Um, so that it started from that side of it. Um, and we've been doing it for like about sort of three, four years, got my black belt, um, then opened up a club actually in London. Uh, started with the London Warriors that turned into UK Warriors because we had two sides. Um, then start, I remember getting called up for my first fight night, which is, you know, I was like down the ranks. So like almost known as the underdog. So I got called up on a fight night. It was on the Friday night. I think I'd had a beer that night and uh, I got a call from uh, my coach saying, do you mind doing only the strong tomorrow night? And I was like, jump at the chance. But obviously you can imagine quite nervous. Mm. Um, 
and then as it's a fight night you know the ring's set up in the middle you've got a big crowd all like shouting on the outside you come into music my initial plan was to walk in calmly um, but I got hyped up in the, the music and the atmosphere. So I came out, I was dancing, you know, going around the cloud, high-fiving, <laughs> jumping down the splits, all that sort of thing. You know, all your uh, teammates are there. Um, we did three rounds. It came to a draw. Um, it was against a girl that's called Maria Nazar. And she was, um, I think she was like a British champion at that time. Um, it went to the final round and I managed to uh, bag my first fight night. Um, I know there was a lot the I mean the other side coach thought they'd been set up <laughs> when the promoter was saying no seriously your girl was meant to win um, and that sort of started me on that sort of serious note um, to sort of build up on the tournament scene um, but then had a baby in 2010 um, which obviously takes a big knock if I did train constantly through the pregnancy to the point of where you like oh it's getting a little bit unsafe although mm -hmm. I was teaching as well so uh on the day that I went into labor, I was teaching a, a class. Um, Goodness. Doing their grading techniques and then uh, start to get the old uh, contractions come in. <laughs> so I thought better go home. <laughs> Started putting the tea on, but then was rushed to hospital. Had uh, my baby girl. And, uh, you know, then you start that recovery process from having a baby. So then four weeks time, I got called up for a title fight. So four weeks after giving birth, you were yeah. then fighting in a title fight bout. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And I managed to win that one. Um, but my, my biggest motivation was I used to have a chi doctor. I mean, still around, um, Alex Wong. And um, when he sort of checks me before a fight, just checks me over. And he, he came out and said, when a woman has a baby, that's it on her sporting career. And I think maybe he said it just to go, no, that's not happening to me um and made me want to recover quicker and get back out there but I guess there are people who would think that there yeah. are you do see some there are some women that have a baby and you know you know it might not just be their their fitness side but it's like you know a baby is a lot of commitment and if you haven't got the support there um it can be a lot more challenging um I mean I had a a, a second child in 2014 um, when I was pregnant with the second baby I had to actually stop teaching um, you know, my relationship had broken up and I was trying to teach with a toddler while being pregnant. Um, it wasn't that practical. Yeah. Um, and then I just sort of fully focused on my career. I'd moved back to Winchester, um, sort of become, you know, like a single mum with a, a child and a child on the way. Um, and then just thought, right, totally on with the kids, not going to be doing kickboxing anymore. Um, but then one of the guys I was teaching while well, I had the club said, come, come to Basingstoke. I've got a brilliant club called BKO. Um, it was run by um, Ron and George Peplow. It's a father and son team. And, you know, I turned up, I think, again, it was like a four week gap after I had my second child. Um, I turned at this club and they were absolutely wonderful, really welcoming. I mean, I didn't wear any of my kickboxing stuff, but I had all the, the gear in the bag. Um, and, you know, I mean, there was a few sort of giggly girls in there. And then as I come up to the pads, they were like looking over at me going, oh, wow. OK, <laughs> this girl, I mean, this is serious. Um, and they they drove me to a new level. Uh, it was none of the sort of coaching I had before. They I mean, their passion for that teaching and proving someone was just, you know, it, it, you know as I'm reached nothing I'd seen before. 
because they were both competing themselves, you know, they knew what you needed to take onto the mats or into that ring. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that my fighting really excelled there. Um, you made a massive group of friends that, you know, I had the baby on the side and there was a lady called Kerry Anderson that used to go and pick the baby up and jeopardize our own training because she'd be like, oh, you're better than me. You carry on. Oh, <laughs> but that's what the, the team was like. You know, it, it's not just a sport. Everyone looks after each other. Um, there's none of this. Oh, I'm better than you. And you're better. You know, it's all about let's do this together. Let's go out together. And every result you come is for the club, even when you're fighting each other. You know, you, no one goes, oh, I did better than you. I beat you. It's all about just getting those those goals for the club. Mm -hmm. There's one of, one of the things that uh, I, I read that you said you wanted to be was a strong woman. You yeah. know, there was an example to other people. From what you've just been telling us, I don't think there's any <laughs> doubt about the success in that sense. But aside from the successes you were having over time, one thing you touched on early on was people taking you seriously or saying you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. How much is that, not just for you, but anybody else coming into that sport, still an issue? Um, I mean, you're saying from people trying to stop them getting, like females. Stopping them the getting and, and this not taking you seriously. Yeah, you know. I think, I mean, within the kickboxing world, um, especially, I mean, I, I belong to like a federation, which is the WACO, World Association of Kickboxing Organization. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were founded in um, 1976, way before I was born in 76, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but they, um, they push women um, and the weaker and anyone else to sort of jump into the sport, get involved. I mean, the whole thing with martial arts, especially on the, the kickboxing side, I mean, it improves people's health, strength, endurance, their confidence, their focus, you know, their discipline. It has so many strengths. So even the weakest person coming through that door is going to improve in all those areas. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for me being a, an instructor, because I started up uh, my own club again in uh, Ringwood, RKO. Um, okay. So, I mean, I was doing IT and a bit of that on the side. I had, I had another child in 2019. <laughs> um, and then after having that child, I then started up my own club again, because although I loved IT, my passion is to teach people, get their fitness up, um, throughout my whole lifespan, I've always studied nutrition, fitness, you know, the yoga, the Pilates, acupressure, massage, the whole bag, wow. because, you know, I, I just wanted to help people as much as I could, as well as training yourself. You need to know about your diet. You need to know about relaxation. You need to know about meditation. It's all one massive package. Um, and when I was working in London, getting up four o'clock in the morning to go and do the office job, although it's wonderful and great pay and, you know, you're living in the buzz, you're getting sent across the world on massive jets. Um, it's not where my heart is. You know, I opened up a small, it's only a small club, but it's got a lot of heart. Um, and the main thing for me is kids coming in. Normally they've got problems with confidence. They can't find the sport that they need to fit into. And when a parent says to me, a teacher said they've improved in class, their confidence is better, they're walking with their shoulders up, you know, it's, it touches your heart, you think this is this is why I'm here. Um, you know, although, you know, I've been very successful in the um, competing side, for me right now, it's helping those, those kids and the adults. You know, I've got older people that come in and they're just, oh, I'm just coming in for fitness. And I'm like, yep, yeah, okay, let's get you ready for your grading. And they're like, oh, really, me? Um, you know, being a late starter myself, I hate when people go, oh, it's too late. I'm 50 now. That's, you know, I've done it. It's not. 
it's never too late to, to put on those gloves and get in. And so you're helping doing... them sort of overcome those self-imposed barriers or the sort of what I'd call normal perception barriers. Totally. People might have. Totally. Brilliant. I mean, half the time they want to, but they just need someone else to reassure them. Mm. You know, in, you know, they come in and go, oh, because of my age. And they want you to say, you're not too old. You know, you're, you're not too weak. You're not too unflexible. You're not, you know, you are strong and you can build on it. And you hear that, just need, hear that Tony, there's hope for you yet. It's never, <laughs> never too old. I'll, I'll train anyone. You can come down yeah, to the yeah. gym. I'll give you a free session. Oh my goodness. Tony, there's <laughs> no, there's no technical uh, needs to get into the, uh, into the gym. That, that would be something. Else. Can I just pick up on a, on a, a theme there, which is obviously you must get young females coming to you saying, I want, I don't feel safe. Can you, is this going to give me protection? Yeah. You, is that a legitimate approach? Would you, you get, work I mean, you get, it like from, you get it from both sides. It's not just the females. Um, I think as time has progressed men are being a bit more honest about their feelings yeah. um you know they're no longer told put step a lip up you know they're being told speak about how you feel um and people you know men and women are coming forward and going i need to be able to protect myself i mean i make sure all my kids do kickboxing um whether they're going to do it for competing or not competing i just want to know that they can protect themselves and they've got that confidence you know i mean they mm -hmm. did there was an article about kickboxing being a life skill on the same par as learning to swim mm, interesting okay. you know i mean i worked in a very male dominated environment and that helped me just feel that confident that i can stand stand amongst everyone and say my piece and I don't know whether it's just because they're scared of you or <laughs> because they, they respect the sport that you do but either way it definitely helped me within work and life sort of balance. Liz did you see the recently the Sky Sports report on females in sport in terms of I think the figure was 79% of women say they've actually felt unsafe whilst exercising did you see that? I haven't seen that, but I can also relate to that. Um, I know um, Sports England have brought in a new initiative and it's called This Girl Can. Yeah. Um, and it's in response to that um, because there's a lot of women that either they've got the lack of confidence or, you know, I mean, soon as even the girls, soon as they get to the, maybe the age of nine, 10, they're more aware of how they look. Mm. um or worried about how I'm going to look after exercise is my face going to be red am I too big how's everyone going to and women tend to do it a lot more than men they sort of judge themselves and they give themselves a really really hard time oh I didn't know that straight away oh I didn't throw that jab as well as that person next to me oh I didn't do this and I didn't do that um so I can see why they might feel like either intimidated by going to either a gym space or within a club um, or they feel like people are watching them. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that 79% figure staggered me, to be honest, but equally, the, and, and it was done in conjunction with the Women's Sports Collective, this piece of research, it was quite detailed. Yeah. And they said 7% uh, of the women have been physically or sexually abused, 43% harassed in different ways. And... and the thing that was really quite, well, to me, very emotional just watching it is they showed a video where four uh, top athletes at various stages of their career 
spoke about their experiences. And you mentioned about being attacked yourself. Uh, yeah. Kathy Brown, who was a kickboxer turned boxing champion, she was violently attacked and raped, you know, and she was talking about those experiences. Jennifer Stout, uh, who at one stage was a gladiator on TV, international athlete in 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters, and so on, you know. There were four of them that each in turn, and they're all international top athletes, talked about those experiences. You know, from, uh, you could say at one level, you know, wolf whistling and, and that, how demeaning that can be, but through to sexual attacks. And I, I, I you know, and, and these days you've got not only athletes, but officials like Sean uh, Massey Ellis has become an assistant referee in premiership football. I think that's great to see. I, mine is a footballing background, but I think that's great. And if they're good, brilliant, just as much as you'd say that about a, a, a male ref. But I think it's, it's about time there was a different attitude to many of the things that were touched in this report. If you get a chance to see it, uh, Liz, I would, yeah. because I know you do a lot of work in these areas anyway, but it, I just wondered what your thinking was on that. Are we... Are we so far out of date still or are things improving? I think they're definitely improving. Um, you know, it's with, with everything within the work environment where, you know, they are looking, people are analysing things like pay. You know, that's a major thing. Yes. And, you know, mm -hmm. when they're in the same job, but not being, but that still goes on. Um, but, you know, our government is on top of it. You know, a lot of the sports have got safeguarding in place. Uh, you know, there are a lot more stricter rules. You know, you've got to have your DBS. Even if you're going into a school to help, you've got to have your DBS. You've got to know it's protected. Um, and I think a lot more places are um, teched up. They've all got the CCTV now, which puts the protection in place. I mean, even in my small gym, I've got CCTV just so parents, one, they can be checked on screen or, you know, if any disputes come up, you've got it there. But they feel safe as well because they know it's not completely out of sight. Um, and I think a lot more sort of gym spaces and everywhere. So if they had more cameras up, um, it, you know, it just puts people off. I know, I know it's a serious issue. And, you know, and obviously you're, you've given us some fantastic information, but it, because you're at the top of your sport and you've got such good connections, you know, it, it's, I was going to do it as a separate item tonight, but I thought, no, yeah. I think it would be great for Liz to give us her view on it. So I appreciate your, uh, your thoughts on that. Mm. Yeah. Just sort of moving into a slightly different area, Liz, um, and before we wrap up for tonight, um, I know also that you're involved in the, as a volunteer with the Sports Council. Yeah. So tell us so a little bit a, about that role. It's the Basingstoke Voluntary Sports Council. Um, it looks after Basingstoke and Dean. Um, I first got insight from them because they do an amazing sports award once a year. Uh, and they basically have every sport coming through and the coaches put through who they think has done the most, either competition side, coaching side, volunteering. There's a whole load of different awards for those different areas. Mm -hmm. um, and I managed to get uh, like a first place in the senior women's. Um, and I just love the event and love what they stood for, looked at more what they did. And they're like a central hub for all clubs uh, within the area, as well as groups. And they work with all the externals, they work with schools, they work with community centers, and they're all about getting active. 
um, there's about 17 volunteers. Kevin Lang's the uh, the chairman of it. I mean, he can tell you a whole host of uh, more of what they do because I've only been working with them for like a couple of years. And obviously COVID has put a lot of stop on what we do. Yeah. Um, but we've got a representative of each type of sport. So I'm looking after martial arts. Um, so I keep them in up to date of what's going on. Um, they do regular surveys of finding out why people aren't doing exercise. Because I think if you look at the the world stats at the moment, I think it's one in 10 people die from inactivity. So that puts them on par of smoking and alcoholism. Um, it's that high because um, yeah. people aren't doing enough enough steps. I know with people I put on through, through the nutrition side, it's great doing your, your eating right. But if you're not doing the activity, it, it's, it won't work. You know, when I say someone, you, you know, as a bare minimum, you need to do 10,000 steps a day. They're like, what do you mean 10,000 steps? You know, when they're only clearing 2,000. I was going to have a healthy heart you need at least 10,000. Um, and it's amazing how many people aren't getting out there. So, you know, the sports council, that their biggest project is getting people off that couch and getting them out. Um, you know, they work, that's why they work with so many clubs. They're constantly finding out what those clubs are doing and they're feeding that e the information out on social media, you know, through the press. Um, they're looking, they help people get sponsorship. The clubs can go to them if they've got, you know, kids that can't afford certain things and they will help them find ways to get that money in. Um, you know, they work closely with Sports England, you know, even community centres, they know everything that's going on and they're constantly feeding out that information as well as bringing it back in and feeding it out to the council they're feeding out to energize me you know it's a really sort of exciting team just to get people out there and uh, just save lives really quite yeah literally. i mean that that number is phenomenal i mean you know without wishing to demean what's been going on over the last 15 months yeah you know you look at all the press coverage and everything that's been happening with covid that's a lot fewer than one in 10 people yeah, and exactly. yet here we are with this, and it's almost going unreported, un in, in the major press. Mm -hmm. I know great work being done by people like yourself by the sports council, but it just that public awareness isn't there of that, and yet it's a, a much bigger number being killed every year by inactivity than yeah. have been by COVID. And people are shocked when I tell them it's that high; mm -hmm. they just can't believe mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and it's increased over the last fourteen months. Oh, yeah. Well, because especially with lockdown as well. You well know. It, it couldn't be worse. And, and, and you must have suffered, as you said, with kickboxing. The yeah. clubs were closed and no income and so on. You had all of that to deal with. Yeah. I mean, we did try with the Zoom. Um, and I know you put, a, you know, a, a thing in there where it, it made it a bit more convenient. And yeah, it did make it convenient for a number of people. But some people won't train on screen. It's, no. you know, it's hard enough to get them to come into the gym and go, I feel confident enough to be in the gym. You put them on screen and they're like, you know, I even tried, oh, you can black out your screen because I do fitness classes as well. And then I had some actually going, well, I can't do it because I end up blacking my screen out and I'm sitting there watching you eating popcorn. And it's like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you don't get fit just by, by watching. You do actually have to take part. Um, that's what yes, going wrong. That's <laughs> But it's great to have people back into the gym and being able to sort of see them and do those one-to-one. -one. It's just the atmosphere. Because when you're on Zoom, you're putting mute on and you lose all that atmosphere. You you lose people asking you questions because they feel like, oh, I can't unmute it and disturb everyone. We're in a class. They're happy to say, miss, please, you know, haven't quite yeah. got it. Mm. Excellent. 
they can hide off screen as well, can't they? So, because they're not moving their camera. So all you're seeing is the ceiling and you're meant to be on the floor doing your press-ups. Brilliant. I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I think it's been a, a real insight. And, and, and I start from a point where I, I was, you know, before doing any research on it, I knew nothing about kickboxing. I know a hell of a lot more and I appreciate your insight to a very new world for me. Um, no problem. And you I, know I, even I, more when you come down, Tony, when you come down I, to your free session. Well, I, I think Andy, is, he, he, with his walking, it, I think he would be more the person I would put forward. <laughs> We're happy you can work <laughs> off each other. We need one to hold the pads and one to punch. So uh, I think you could put us both in a ring and have a, a rather entertaining, uh, rather entertaining there. Tony in his uh, Manchester United jersey and me in That's a Newcastle it. one. And we'll, uh, we'll see who comes out on top. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> we can raise some money for charity at the same time. Why not? Yeah, but just on that, Liz, if people are interested from hearing you talking about this and interested in getting started and in getting involved, how can they go about doing that? Uh, yeah, I mean, just get get a Google search. Um, you know, you can look up um, WACO, the World Association of Kickboxing. And nearly every, every area has got a kickboxing club, but WACO will direct you. Um, to the club sort of nearest you um, again if you go to get energize me energize me's got a wealth of clubs all around I mean for the Hampshire area um, and Isle of Wight they cover so you can have a look at them um, if they're in Ringwood area then look me up um, mm. we've got Ringwood kickboxing organization I've got um, Ringwood health and fitness which is all my acupressure massage nutrition and fitness side so yeah it's it's all out there they just need to search Fantastic. Liz, thanks ever so much for uh, giving us your time this evening and to give us an insight into a you know, really interesting and exciting sport. And uh, thanks ever so much for that. And, you know, good luck now really getting up and going again now that we're out of lockdown and you have got people back in training with you. That's it. And can't wait for the competition scene to start up as well. So hopefully we think October may be the time. So excellent. Cheers, Liz. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks ever so much, Liz. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Excellent. How, wasn't that fascinating insight? I mean, it, you know, you start from a point where you know nothing about that world, really, other than what you've read in advance. And I just think, could you imagine Liz being your tutor? You know, the enthusiasm is obviously there and the ability and the strength of character. Really impressed. Yeah, really. certainly an inspirational character, which, you know, is what she said she wants to be. And I think, as you said, Tony, definitely achieving that. So, yeah, great stuff. Really, really good. Now, we go from one guest to another. And you can actually say on this occasion, backed by popular demand, because John Peacock last week obviously did the guest slot. But one of our correspondents, Rosemary Conabier, was saying, I'd have loved to have heard the guy who talked about yoga and Pilates actually giving us the, the real benefits of those two sports. So I had a little word with him. John Peacock, are you there, mate? Good evening, gentlemen. Good, Good to be back. Good yeah, to be back. I know, I know you're back, back by popular demand. But I, I, I do want to talk to you, obviously, to answer Rosemary's point first. But we cannot start this without talking about Brentford. Fantastic. Yeah, sure. yeah. Fantastic. Where well, before... were you? Who were you with? And what <laughs> were the emotions you went through? All right. Well, before we get into that, can we just tell Liz that she hasn't seen your flexibility, has she, Tony? No, she'd be appalled. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, 
no offence, but if you do a roundhouse kick, she might need an ambulance nearby. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more likely to be a round estate than a roundhouse. <laughs> thanks, thanks, chaps. Yeah, uh, right. so, but yeah, back to Brentford. Where was I? I was with my youngest son. Yeah. I've got two sons, as I think if anybody listened to the podcast last week, they're both Reading supporters because obviously we they were brought up in the Reading area. But my youngest son has got a more affinity to Brentford, I suppose, than my, my eldest. So I was with my youngest son. We didn't have tickets, unfortunately, because obviously the allocation was quite small. Um, obviously, there was a few debates about the allocation, wasn't there, compared to uh, sort of European finals, etc. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was watching it with my son in his house. And, uh, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how, you know, I'm sort of 56, nearly 57, but when the second goal went in, I sort of leapt into the sky like a sort of 10-year-old, really. A gazelle. Or a, gazelle. a gazelle, yeah. <laughs> so for a brief moment, I sort of turned into a sort of 12-year-old. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's quite brilliant, isn't it? It's a fantastic achievement. I think last time we are in the top flight, 46, 47. So yeah. it's a long time. Is that it's, true that that was the 10th time you've been in that situation of getting into the playoff finals, 10th time? Yeah, I think Brentford, Brentford have probably still do, even after winning that, have the worst record, I think. Yeah, so yeah, I know it's a terrific achievement, and particularly with the new ground, are you going to be able to get there? Are you going to be able to get in? Hopefully, hopefully, even if it means going down there, camping out for a day or something. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be great to have a, a season ticket. But yeah. But the so, thing about that, John, is you never, ever will forget that moment. I was actually saying to you today, I watched a documentary about George Best and it culminated in the 1968 European Cup final. And I'd gone down there, somehow got a ticket. I don't know how, but I'd gone down there. I was on my own. I was on this coach and I was on the terraces at the back of the goals where Alex Stepney was uh, in the second half. And, um, you know, when I watched that last night, every single bit of that came back to me. And I guess for you, whenever you see that rerun again, regardless of what happens to Brentford going forwards, uh, it, it, you'll never forget it. And I think that's a wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, you, every fan for every team has got these moments, haven't they? You know, mm. I'm sure Andy can remember. You know, some of those goals that that Shearer put away. I mean, some incredible goals that he scored. Very much so. And like Tony says, you know, um, being there for the 68 final, um, you know, rugby is more my passion. And I was lucky enough to be there in the stadium in Sydney in 03, just oh. to the left of the goal as uh, Johnny dropped the ball through and kicked that goal that won <laughs> us the World Cup. So I've uh, forgotten that. Brilliant, brilliant memory. Yeah. 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 I remember where I was for that, that final. Yeah. So yeah. all those sort of things. Stay with your memory. I'm sure people that are around for the 66 final when England same. won that will remember everything about that, won't they? And uh, mm. same thing. Now, listen yeah. to business because my cousin Rosemary said I'd have yeah. loved that guy, I think she meant you, to talk about <laughs> the uh, benefits of both Pilates and yoga. And it's fair comment actually because that's your expertise. And we, we spent a lot of time talking about online and face to face but probably not enough on the benefits. Can you enlighten us? Yeah, both of them have sort of some similar benefits. I suppose yoga 
let's keep it really basic. I mean, we could be here for hours talking about yoga, yeah. you know, the spiritual side of it, the holistic side of it. Um, basically, if you compare it with Pilates, I mean, this is a very basic description. In Pilates, we're probably looking more at the deeper core muscles, uh, strengthening those. Obviously, external muscles we will strengthen in Pilates as well. There'd be some flexibility work going into that. With yoga, it's probably a bit of more mind health with yoga, I'd say, you know, with the meditation, etc. You know, we've got this recent incident with the uh, tennis player, Osaka, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. With uh, the depression, etc. Um, yeah. So a lot of people do go to yoga to sort of alleviate depression and they find it quite helpful with the meditation. We've got breathing techniques in yoga, which is called pranayama. I won't go into the, the in-depths of that, but obviously there's different types of breathing, which sort of, uh, again, help to oxygenate the body as well. And it helps to remove toxins. So you've got all those sort of benefits from it as well. So probably, yeah, a bit more flexible, but to say flexibility with yoga, there's so much more to it. And also there's lots of different types of yoga. So we can go into sort of Ashtanga, which is probably a lot more dynamic, fast flowing, probably more cardiovascular as well. It'll raise your heart rate a lot higher. Same with sort of vinyasa flow classes, which again, you move a lot quicker through the asanas, which are the, the postures. And then we can go to the other extreme of yoga where we've got restorative yin classes, which are more sort of floor based. And you'll use, I mean, obviously people can't see this, but you can see behind me, there's like a bolster there. So yeah. bolster is, is something that you might lie on mm-hmm. and it just assists assist you in some of the postures. So a bit more re- relaxation and sort of meditation, breathing in those sort of forms of yoga, restorative and yin. Um, yeah, with Pilates, as I say, we're looking at the deeper core muscles a lot of people get sent to Pilates by chiropractors, even physiotherapists, if they've got issues with their back. Because you've got a muscle called the TA, the transversus abdominis. There's, there's other sort of deep core muscles, pelvic floor, which obviously women might be a bit more familiar with than men possibly. But the TA is like a cylindrical type muscle that sort of surrounds the spine and it helps mm-hmm. sort of strengthen and stabilize the spine. Um, you get over a period of time, you know, you get wear and tear with the, the intervertebral discs. So you've got your vertebrae and the intervertebral discs in between. They're like the little shock absorbers. So when we're doing impact in exercise, so running, you're, you're a good runner yourself, Tony. You've been running for quite a long time. Yeah. So over a period of time, you know, you've, your vertebrae, they're going like that against the discs. So you're getting that impact in. So they can degenerate over time. So if we do Pilates, we just help strengthen all those muscles around the spine and keep it a little bit stronger. Um, pelvic floor, again, women with pregnancy, as we get older, pelvic floor is quite important with not waking up in the middle of the night and having to go to the toilet. You sort of, if you help strengthen those muscles. Um, so, so that's that, yeah. You get discs that will displace. I think- John, John, one, one thing I just wanted to ask you, specifically, Rosemary, because she also said, and I know this is the case, mm. she's waiting for a hip operation like a lot of people. You know, it's been delayed and delayed and delayed. But one of the things I've always seen with you is you always ask people if they've got injuries and you give them alternatives in the class 
if they've got a specific injury. Would there be something Rosemary should particularly look at? Maybe she knows already, but she did mention that in the correspondence. Yeah, sort of. It depends on our range of movement through the hip and what exactly is the, you know, the hip can have sort of different issues with it. So it can be like displaced from the socket, even from birth, it can be not. So you've got your sort of femur, which is the, the leg bone going into the hip socket. You actually get people from birth where that doesn't actually sit correctly into the hip. Okay. So it might be slightly out. Right. So you get operations from that. Obviously, wear and tear in the hip joint over a period of time. You wear it out and you, you have to go in for a hip replacement. So they replace the socket. But she can still, she does do at home at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, at yoga and Pilates. Okay. So you can accommodate that kind of thing, I, I imagine. Yeah. In some ways, you know, being careful. Oh, indeed. Yeah, there's obviously levels and options. There might be certain movements through the hip joint that she might not be able to do, depending on the injury. So obviously there's options there. Obviously, I'd need to see her face-to-face -face or whatever yeah. teacher she might go to. Yeah. Um, as great as online sort of classes are, and obviously I'll do a load myself, you can't really be, be in there one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's got an injury, really. Yeah. Um, I think I spoke to a physiotherapist the other day who's been doing Zoom uh, sort of corrections online and she says you know it's it's quite difficult because she's having to verbally explain things whereas where you're there obviously with covid we you know we have to distance as well so we can't be doing correction yeah so that's, that's another thing in yoga and pilates you know we we're used to just correcting people um everyone learns in different ways some people learn better orally mm-hmm you can talk to someone and correct them and you'll see that they'll they'll adjust better just from getting that oral correction some people you can talk till the cows come home and they won't they won't get in the right position so you need to actually go and physically sort of uh, correct them well you've got a kind of cattle prod thing haven't you <laughs> at the moment yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i do use that at times yeah to sort of try and sort of correct people a little have bit. you had to extend that out to a two meter long yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. start prodding yeah. people so but yeah you suddenly get a nudge from this thing and think oh right okay yeah he's right yeah. as usual he's right i'm in the wrong position <laughs> some, of that, some of that's for a bit of humor because you know we like i yeah. like to have a bit of a bit of banter in class as well but yeah, uh, yeah so that's the pros and the cons of teaching online compared to sort of in person really but uh yeah, yeah mental health obviously it's a big issue at the moment isn't it we've got we've had lockdowns so i think people's health has been suffering from that a lot of anxiety you know a lot of people are uncertain about their jobs so i think yoga can be quite effective there i've, I've heard time. it helps a lot and um, one of the things i've been doing a lot of training in my work role on mental health awareness and we we talked a lot with people about mindfulness mm -hmm. I, I you know again one of the things i was reading up on researching that is that yoga can really help as you said with the, the breathing the almost sort of meditation type approach a lot of that is around the mindfulness the being present in the moment and not letting your thoughts run away with you so i'd imagine yeah. yoga can really help with that well indeed yeah there's things like mantras which are sort of traditional short sounds, you know, everyone knows the OM from yoga. Well, maybe not, but that's sort of a commonly used, but you get sort of certain mantras, which might be a sentence in Sanskrit, which is sort of like an ancient language that, that we use in yoga and it's repeated. And that just helps relax the mind. It calms it down. Like you just said, Andy, it can clear it, 
for all your thoughts. You know, we've all got these distractions. Mm-hmm. I suppose in the Western culture, we're probably a bit more into distractions. Our mind is constantly thinking about various things. You know, I'm sure when you started this podcast, you're probably thinking, what questions can I ask John about Brentford? <laughs> yeah. they, they, they were the easy ones <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so we yeah we're cluttered with all these sorts yeah imagine if you'd been on and they'd lost <laughs> oh yeah well i've already said you know we'd we'll just talk about yoga and pilates and <laughs> <laughs> concentrate on that Listen, as ever again uh brilliant john that's great input from you and i'm sure my cousin rosemary will be telling me um she tells you straight whether she's happy or not, but I'm sure she will be with all of what you said there. I appreciate that. And as we've said before, you're bound to be back talking to us again. Okay. Cheers, bye. Great. Lovely. Have a great evening. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye. Are we lucky with the, the guests that we have and their inputs? I mean, such an interesting uh, balance tonight with Liz and, and, and John. You know, you could say they're in very similar fields at times. But, you know, different levels of expertise and, and knowledge and experience. And uh, I found that very, very useful indeed. Both of them just bringing, bringing their interests, their, their niche areas to life again. I think, you know, it's great that we've got that. And the guests that we've had on over the last few weeks have all brought that energy, that enthusiasm to the discussion. Yeah, we, we, so, yeah. You and I both know some of the guests we've got lined up over the next few weeks as well. It's going to go on, folks. Mm-hmm. But this is the end of episode three, Null and Void Sports Podcast. But as we always do say, if you want to get in contact with us, listen out at the end of this podcast for the contact details. And join us, obviously, next week. We do, we do want your stories. As you've seen, when you ask for something, we, if we can, we'll make sure that happens. But as ever, next week, Listen at a time and a place that suits you. Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan. Together, they don't add up to much. If you have a sports story, you can contact the team on nandv at forthenow.co.uk.